Welcome to episode 89 of the Colon Cancer Podcast. And folks, this is a bonus episode. I'm releasing an extra episode kind of off week, if you will, in recognition of Colon Cancer Awareness Month. I wanted to do something a little extra uh, in recognition of Colon Cancer Awareness Month. So I'm doing an extra episode off week. You know, typically we do an episode every other Tuesday. We did have an episode come out last week. That was episode number 88, my uh, interview with Paul Shadle. A wonderful interview with an inspiring story. If you missed that, you can check that out at the coloncancerpodcast.com forward slash 088. This week, I'm doing something a little different. This is less of an interview and more about me and Dr. Andrew Albert uh, talking about colon cancer screening and colon cancer awareness. Many of you know Dr. Albert. He's been very involved in our colorectal cancer community, uh, has really become a passionate advocate. And he was on the show not too long ago. He was on episode 79. So if you want to check out my formal interview with Dr. Albert, you can go back to the coloncancerpodcast.com forward slash 079 and check that out. But Andrew reached out to me and just wanted to kind of brainstorm and talk about how can we make inroads to increase the awareness of symptoms of getting screened when you should get screened. So this is uh, a little bit of a different episode. It's just a conversation between uh, Andrew and myself, just kind of brainstorming ideas. And I'm going to ask you after listening to this episode, if you have some thoughts around how we can uh, raise awareness in the older community to make sure they're asking their doctors, when is it time to get their colonoscopy, as well as how do we make it more more understood and raise awareness in the younger onset community where the rates, unfortunately and sadly, are skyrocketing. How do we raise awareness uh, for the young people in our community of what to look for in terms of symptoms and how to speak to their doctor? So if you have some thoughts around this, please reach out to me at lee at the coloncancerpodcast.com. You can... Uh, Just uh, shoot me a quick email. I'd love to hear your thoughts on this. So uh, without any further introduction, uh, listen in to my conversation with Dr. Andrew Albert. Andrew, welcome back to the Colon Cancer Podcast. How are you? Hey, Lee. Thank you. I'm I'm great. Thanks for asking. Uh, I, I just love your enthusiasm and your passion for what you do, and it just exudes itself everywhere. I see you online and where the day will will come eventually. But uh, I thought of you the, the other night. This is okay. When you asked why. <laughs> well, well, Lee, why? What made you think of me the other night? So there's a scene in this movie, The Big Sick, that my wife and I watched the other night. And guy meets this girl, brings her back to his apartment. In the middle of the night, he rolls over, and she's putting her clothes on. He says, where are you going? She's kind of like fumbling for words, and she said, well, there's a 24-hour diner down the street. That's where I'm going. He's like, at 2 in the morning? Why are you suddenly here going to the diner? And this back and forth, and she's being very evasive. And finally, she stops and said, because I have to poop. (laughs) (laughs) She was too embarrassed 
to, I guess it's him and a, another guy roommate in this little apartment and this one bathroom. And she was too embarrassed uh, to do what every single human being on this earth does almost every day, most of us. And she felt the need that she had to get dressed and go to a restaurant down the street to do that. And I'm like, that's what's wrong. That's what's, that's the root of the, what, you know, you and I have been talking about and so many have been talking about is that if we can't get over this embarrassment of doing what every other mammal on this world, in this world does, how are we ever going to get anywhere? It's, it's so funny that you bring that up because, uh, every day, I see probably about 15 patients or so, and they come into the office, they feel uncomfortable talking about their bowel habits. And I say, well, if there's one place you can feel comfortable talking about your poop and talking about your bowel habits, it's in this office. And they get a little shy, and they get a little uncomfortable, and then they start to relax. But to your point, Lee, it is not a popular conversation. It, it, there's a lot of uh, you know, uh, discomfort with people talking about it, and, and that has to change. And you had brought up to me in a previous conversation that Maybe we start that conversation early, like on the college campus. Maybe there's an opportunity to make people feel more comfortable. But that is ironic that you saw that uh, in the big sick. It, it just it just hit me between the eyes. They're like, this is the problem. And, you know, I'm sure we could spend hours trying to figure out the root of where this all comes from. But I, I, at the same time, I always feel, also feel like there's hope because Look, there's a poop emoji on my phone now, and you can go into most stores and see stuff. Poop. I'm going to call them animals, but I guess they're not really animals. They're just <laughs> poop. <I guess. laughs> they're they're poop emoji pillows. Help. They're poop emoji mugs. <laughs> Some, that that's completely appropriate to call it that. Maybe that's progress. I, I'm not sure, but uh, well, I, I think so. I think it is. So, you know, what are your thoughts? I mean, how do we, how do we get that? So I think <clears throat> specifically talking about poop, which obviously leads to discussion about abnormal poop. Uh, I think, I think any and all conversation is, is fair game. I mean, I think over time, uh, people will become more comfortable talking about it. Um, or, or not so much poop per se. It's not that you have to go out to dinner and the first thing you talk about with another couple is, so how was your bowel movement today? How, how did you poop today? But, but perhaps the stigma associated with having GI upset or having some type of stomach pain, you know, it, it, uh, having that discussion or opening up the comfort around that discussion is the way to go. Um, I know that survivors like yourself are comfortable, uh, now talking about their bowels, but um, a lot of people <clears throat> still aren't. And so, what what I was what I emailed you about is that maybe you know people who are in this space, people who are survivors, can maybe speak about it a little bit more, or make people feel more comfortable talking about it, engaging them in conversation about poop or, or whatever it is um, re re related to the GI tract. Yeah, yeah, and you know. I'm still baffled. You know, I guess I'm being a little hypocritical too if I stop and think about it because I'm baffled by why it's so hard to talk about something that everybody does. Yet, uh, that was me too. I, you know, I was the same way. Maybe in some, in some circumstances, I may still be the same. Maybe I'm a little hypocritical right now. But 
the it, it's so important because I mean nobody knows this better than you. Uh, how often do you see people, Andrew, that waited and waited and waited and waited and eventually waited too long before they came to see you? So it's um you know, it's so unfortunately, and I, I, I can't even tell you the number of times that people, um, even in their 40s, um, have come in because they, they attribute their symptoms to something else, probably because, you know, they want to put their head in the sand and just hope that things will go away. And that's, that's our natural inclination. It's not a personality flaw. It's more just hoping for the best. And um, I, I, I have to say almost every patient I diagnose from having come into my office with colon cancer as opposed to during a routine screening colonoscopy, they've had symptoms for so long and they just, they, they didn't want to confront them or they didn't want to talk about them or they didn't feel comfortable. And my, my, my plea is that people talk about them with someone that, that some, you know, maybe um, someone they feel comfortable with just to start the conversation. Cause that really is the, 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 the way to, to fix this problem is to maybe find that person. Uh, that you trust, that you could say, you know, this doesn't feel right to me. What are your thoughts? Because I think people feel isolated um, and alone and and scared. And it doesn't have to be that way uh, because most likely people, the pe person you're talking to would want to hear from you and understand what you're going through. So maybe we all need to do a better job at just talking about it or opening up the conversation with people that we care about or are close to. I couldn't, I couldn't agree more. Do you see any difference? Uh, for my first first question is: Do you see any difference in gender in terms of what? So, in in terms of what? Talk about symptoms. Be open to conversation. Uh, not have that fear of embarrassment. Do you see any difference in by, by gender? Sure, it's a great question. So. Um, my female patients tend to be much more proactive uh, in terms of their symptoms, um, yet both, maybe more a little bit, men than women tend to feel more comfortable um, talking about poop once they're in the office or their bowel movements once they're in the office. But um, generally, in terms of gender, women tend to be much more proactive, which is why sometimes we target um, the women to, to get their men in for routine screenings. And that just came up today in one of our leadership meetings. So, uh, well, wow. so, so there is a difference in terms of proactiveness. That, that's a you know that's a point I hadn't thought of. Lever leveraging <laughs> the, the 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 women to get the men in their lives to uh, you know to to speak up and get the get their rear in the office if they need to. Um, I well, it, it's funny. Um, just about an hour ago, two hours ago, I left a meeting um, and one of the administrators suggested that people reached out to her or mentioned people reached out to her about creating a women's health program. And the reason for that was that they were hoping that women would be plugged in and then, you know, engage their husbands and boyfriends and male friends to be more proactive with their health. And that was the nightest for it, ironically. Um, so, you know, I think... Uh, I think there's there's some there's some truth. Yeah, there. I just interviewed last week Paul Shadel, who's a stage four survivor, and that was a big part of our conversation. Paul, 
people talked about and came out and said, you know, guys are not comfortable talking about these kinds of things, especially with other guys. And I notice it. I wonder if you see the same thing when we go to these conferences, albeit all uh, on Congress in Washington when this episode comes out. I'm sure I'm going to see the same thing that I've seen at every other conference. Is it overwhelmingly going to be women that are in attendance? And that's not in line with how the disease is diagnosed, is it? Uh, it's not, but I'm going gonna, I'm gonna to flip the conversation a little bit, and I'm going to tell you what I've witnessed over the past, uh, <clears throat> past couple of weeks or months. Um, uh, I have two guy friends um, who have actually made appointments to have their colonoscopies, and we're in our 40s. And, um, uh, Jason and Ben, and the two of them uh, went and scheduled their colonoscopies after seeing the, you know, back off colon cancer campaign and sort of facing their own worries. And I do believe that there's hope with, that male patients might be a little bit resistant in the beginning. But I, I think that in general, I think it's just the messaging. And I think that I think that both men and women um, could the culture change can happen where both are engaged and willing to do the their procedures if uh if necessary so i i'm optimistic <laughs> I'm, I'm shockingly optimistic uh even though i still see people come in um with colon cancer and i had a woman yesterday at a health fair on the south side who said to me that she was 64 and she didn't know what a colonoscopy was and so i i'm optimistic that the, the messaging can be impactful and that we can actually get to people um so it's just ironic that you bring up this topic. Well, and then there's a whole another dynamic that takes place, which is of major concern, and that is the skyrocketing rate of diagnosis. But there's a whole another audience that may require a different method. Yeah. Well, I, I think I think. Um, I'm not sure if you're referring to one one particular messaging uh, type of messaging, but I think any messaging that can appeal to that particular patient population could be effective. I just think you have to be strategic about how you message. Any any specific thoughts there? Well, I think I think in some cultures. Well, I think I think in some cultures, um, people grow up, you know, thinking that. Uh, it's it's about the procedure and not doing the procedure for an appropriate outcome. People have concerns about cost, and they don't realize that they have options. And so perhaps confronting those issues head on is the way to go, saying, okay, well, you don't want to have a colonoscopy. What about a fit test? Or what about a, a, a stool DNA test? Um, I think people just don't know that there are other options. All they hear is colon cancer screening colonoscopy, and then they become... Um, sh you know, shut down, and they're not interested in learning why. Or at the health fair I just did, people thought that the most common symptom of colon cancer was bleeding, and then I shared with them the most common symptom is no symptom. That that you know, early on, colon cancer has no symptoms necessarily, and so um, I think messaging people about the symptoms, messaging people about choices, without getting into too much detail about you know cultural uh, you know uh, worries, uh, you know cultural. Uh, impressions uh, you know uh, uh, of what people have learned from their families i think just getting into giving people options is is the way to go but uh now but that there hopeful. are more screening 
option. Uh, I'm sitting here thinking, should the messaging just avoid the specifics around what screening procedure is done and be have the messaging more targeted to the symptoms right? with a with a generic see your doc these things are not normal talk to your doctor don't get colon cancer and leave it there and not talk to the colonoscopy and all those things that might uh, as you, right. I, I, you know, it's, um, I, I think I'm torn in, in how to answer you. I, I think that, I, I don't think people really understand that colon cancer um, can, can end your life early. I, I don't think people understand that. I don't think they even know that colon cancer is a thing or that, it, that they can die of colon cancer. I think people um, don't understand that, that this is a reality. Um, and somebody recently said to me that, when HIV came out, that people were very scared and they got tested. And so, you know, I, I'm sort of torn as a physician between the tough love approach, you know, with, with you know, do I use the, the carrot or the stick? Um, and part of me wants to use the carrot, you know, and say, well, listen, you know, here's the information. You need to understand that if you have symptoms come in. And part of me wants to use the stick and say, if you don't get a colonoscopy or a screening test, then you can die of colon cancer. You're one of 20 people, one of 22 people, depending on your gender. And so I, I, I don't know the, the, the right answer, but I do know that we have to be much more, we have to be proactive about this because I was, I was looking up, I, I emailed this to you. I, I was looking up the odds I'm presenting to the state of Illinois tomorrow. And I was looking up the odds of getting hit by a car. And the odds of getting hit by a car are one in 695. But the odds of getting colon cancer are one in 22. And so the question I, I say to you, Lee, I ask you, Lee, is if people are so afraid of getting hit by a car on the street, why aren't they more afraid of colon cancer, given the odds are much more likely? And so I think people aren't afraid of it. I don't think people aren't scared of it. And I don't think they realize that it's a thing. And um, so I love the show because it gives me a chance to really speak to the hearts and minds of the people listening and say, we need your help. We need your help in talking about whether it's poop or whether it's about, you know, colon cancer that you've had or a family member has had. Because until people realize that it's a thing or that it's real, people aren't going to be proactive about it because they're not scared. And, um, you know, I feel like I'm going off on a tangent a little bit, but I, I just want to say that, that people don't, you can say whatever messaging you want to say or share whatever message you want to share. But in reality, um, people need to understand that they need to ask the question. And the question is, when am I due for my colonoscopy? Or when am I due for a screening? You know, men often say, oh, when do I need my prostate checked? And women will say, when do I need my mammogram? But you never hear someone say, at what age do I need to get my colon checked? And perhaps that conversation begins with this, this show right now, where everyone should be asking their doctor, when am I due for my prostate? When am I due for my breast exam? But really, when am I due for my colon cancer check? And, and maybe that's where you start. Agree. My only concern there is when you use the word, when am I due, we're probably in most instances up. Because that's the on the radar of most doctors, is it not? Am I that you kind of about the, that say approach, the first part of that question again? We're eliminating younger 
uh, patient. Because if someone were to go to their doctor, not presenting any symptoms, and say, when am I due for my colonoscopy, uh, the answer is not if you're not having any symptoms. Uh, so that that is true. I think this is where it gets tricky, and I, I love your question, um, because 5 to, I think, 8% of people get colon cancer because of a genetic predisposition or um, a somatic mutation. Uh, before 50, that's absolutely true. Um, but given that 90-plus percent of the population um, that gets colon cancer, it happens over 50, I think that I'm generalizing a bit to the person listening to the show as opposed to somebody who has symptoms. Anytime you have symptoms, obviously, so, so there's two things here. One is we want you to talk about your symptoms. Everyone should feel comfortable talking about their symptoms, hands down. But I think there needs to be a culture change with regard to asking the question, because a lot of times with colon cancer, we find people after 50 years old. And so because most people are over 50, I'm, I'm I mean, I'm, I'm challenging everyone 40 and over to ask the question, maybe not 50, but 40 and over. Um, and that's assuming they have no symptoms. But obviously, if they have symptoms, or maybe not so obvious, if they have any change of bowel habits or blood or weight loss or pain or just feel lethargic or excessively tired, anyone with those symptoms should go to see their doctor for sure. But, but given, given the, the culture we have with regard to colon cancer screening and that people at 63 don't know what a colonoscopy is, I feel the need to oversimplify a little bit just to make sure that people start to understand that after 50 or 45 in the African-American population, you need to find out when, you know, you need to find out when you, you're going to have your test. And so I, that Part of me is I appreciate your question. that the over 40 crowd gets the carrot and the under 40 crowd. Uh, and, and here's why. Because the under 40 crowd has, uh, you know, we, we've, and rightly so, presented colon cancer as an old person's disease. And there's even doctors today that still believe that. I've interviewed countless people on this show who went to their doctors with symptoms and were basically ignored because they didn't fit the quote-unquote profile. So, you know, I think there's a, I'm, I'm just wondering out loud, which is kind of what the whole point of this, this whole conversation is this kind of just random brainstorming yeah, here uh, to engage our audience and, and you know, get some conversation started. Is that is it? You know, if you're over forty, please ask your doctor when's it time for my colonoscopy. And then, you know, wouldn't it be amazing to have eye-catching posters on college campuses that say, "Blood in your stool, you know, stomach pain, pick three or four things are not normal." Colon cancer diagnosis rate is skyrocketing in young people. I mean, a true fear-based campaign. I kid you not. And this applies to you. Sure. Come to the clinic if you're talking about a college, you know, or see your doctor or something. Uh, but if, if people listening and, and, and those of us who you and I know very closely Put our minds together. I'm sure we could come up with some sort of a campaign, and wouldn't that be amazing to uh, 
get that across college campuses because I can think I, I have no doubt in my mind it would save lives. Uh, so we we spoke about this before. I wholeheartedly agree with you. Um, I think it's a tremendous idea. Um, I think I, I think part of the problem is that people do think it's an old person's disease, and they don't think about. I was just talking to uh, a mutual friend of ours um, who's a survivor recently, uh, who I'm presenting with tomorrow, and she was telling me that they didn't take her symptoms seriously. They said she should see her OBGYN, um, <clears throat> and and they didn't, she didn't fit the profile. And the truth is, you're right. Like people, pe young people have symptoms. They, they don't know that it's colon cancer. And frankly, a lot of doctors don't necessarily think that the symptoms are colon cancer. And so, you know, I think overall there needs to be a culture change. And I know that sounds ambiguous and sort of generalized, but it's true where we actually think about how, how can we impart this messaging to the younger population, the younger people, people in college, even know that the colon is even there, that <laughs> the colon's a thing. So I think what I was going to say before was I think there's a degree of invincibility in the younger people where they just don't think that anything like this could happen. And the, that day when, like me, you have a 21-year-old sitting in front of you sobbing because he has colon cancer and he doesn't really understand how that's even possible at 21. Um, when that happens, you it, it stays with you. And so I think to your point, the benefits of the campaign in the younger person are not just about it's educating about the young people about their symptoms. Early. It's so about starting the conversation they early. Don't have symptoms, so if they, if they don't have symptoms, well, then at least they'll get a colonoscopy between 40 and 50 based on guidelines. And so I think that's uh, I mean, even a, if a great suggestion, Lee. I, I really do. don't have symptoms today, and God forbid, four years from now, something comes up, they'll think back to that, that poster that was hanging in the Pratt house, uh, hopefully. That that talk, I mean, you know, uh, I'm old enough to remember all of the, you know, don't smoke, uh, anti-smoking, uh, you know, uh, marketing materials that were all over public schools and colleges, and you know, pictures of of people, uh, you know, and what their what their faces look like after smoking for forty years, et cetera. And that was also a scare tactic. And look, look where. You know how far we've come uh, with getting people to stop smoking. So, uh, so my ask of the audience is to reach out to me, reach out to you, and and you know, if we can continue this conversation after this uh, podcast uh, on ideas, and maybe somebody knows somebody or has a contact that we can get the ball rolling here. Could save lives. I, I I think that's that's brilliant. I think um, getting in front of young impressionable people um, is the way to go. I uh, you know we did talk about that. I did call my alma mater Brandeis, and I tried to get through the radio station there for our discussion a couple of weeks or a month ago. And uh, you know it's hard um, because they have their own programming, but but I think an opportunity to be to do something on the radio or at a health fair in a university. It'd be interesting to see how people take that or take to it. Um, I, I'm sure it'll generate a lot of uh, interest. Um, the question is the best way to message. But, but really, I, I do want to say to your listeners, I, I do want to say that 
you know, we, we have these ideas and we want to do these things, but I, I find that the, a lot of the survivors feel defeated or feel sad or feel, um, um, just bummed out about their diagnosis. And many of many, like our friend Stacy are very <laughs> animated and, and engaged. Um, I think that, um, what would be so wonderful, what I wish for would be to see the survivors rally to see the survivors say, you know what, this is my one contribution. And this is assuming those that haven't really been a part of it. This is my contribution to preventing it in somebody else. Because I was thinking the other day as doctors, we, we can only do so much. And in the hospital as medical director, I, I, I work with my surgical director to build programs and, and, and our administrative director, and we can do what we can do in the hospital. But the survivors have such a voice and so much passion that they don't use. And so if they can rally behind getting in front of kids or getting in front of college kids rather and, and young families to understand, it would be absolutely wonderful. I agree. Um, and we, would, we would love you that. You and I both know that uh, you know, there's, fortunately, there's hundreds of uh, big Stacey Stacy Hurt out there. Love you, Stacy. I haven't heard of my interview with Stacy. Go to the colincancerpodcast.com forward slash zero six two. But and, and they are sharing that message. Uh, I, I think it's I think we need to better target those efforts. People there's many like her, like me, who are screaming from the rafters, but just to a general audience. And perhaps we need to better target that energy towards uh, specific populations and be a little bit more strategic and thoughtful about about who and how and, and even where we're sharing that. Well, I, I can tell you that um, my my eight-year-old and my five-year-old walk around the street talking to people and saying the word colonoscopy like it's an everyday word. And it's so it's so heartwarming to hear my, my five-year-old say colonoscopy. And then my daughter goes to school and she starts telling her friends about colonoscopy. And and I, I guess maybe to your point, Lee, maybe we're just looking in the wrong place. And maybe, you know, your your child saying, and you brought this up, actually, you deserve the credit of maybe children can get their parents to get screened because then they, you know, feel this pressure, forget the, the spouses, but maybe children being educated or, or understanding what colon, colon cancer is, maybe, maybe there's some value there. But I can tell you that not a day walks by that my kids don't say, daddy, are you going to do a colonoscopy today? And then somebody will say, what's a colonoscopy? And they'll say, you know, it, it looks for colon cancer and saves lives. And so, there's something there and you know i think it's it's wonderful so so again maybe to your That's point maybe we need I to love. think younger and, and do they pronounce efforts. it correctly your five-year-old uh, that's a word. Uh, there you know he he's developing his vocabulary and his his pronunciation i can tell you that he says the word colonoscopy without any inflections or uh or incorrections he he's uh he says it perfectly perfectly well so I'm very proud. He may not understand other words, but as long as he has colonoscopy um, down, I think we have a good start at being fine. Let's go another place that you touched on. And, uh, this is your beard. Uh, there's a segment out there, because I hear it just but there's a segment of doctors out there that are profiling patients. There's no other way to say it. Uh, I've had patients, I've 
scariest one is I've had more than one person on the show that uh, their talk doctor in so many words just told just, just accused them of just uh, seeking out drugs and you're too young to go in. How do we eradicate that mindset in the medical care? So, um, I'll be honest with you, that, that's a tough one, Lee. I mean, I think um, I, I, there's, no, there's no right answer to that. I think um, there, are, there are doctors that are engaged and there are doctors that practice um, in a way that's a little bit more conservative. And um, as, as physicians ourselves, I have to be honest, we, we try to share the message. I think, I think here... I'll own on behalf of my colleagues that we need to do a better job at um, at identifying patients and not assuming that that a 21 year old with abdominal pain just has IBS. I, I think, unfortunately, the messaging for that has to come from other doctors or through journal articles. And um, I was working with a, a friend recently. Uh, her name is Rana, and she works at an archi architecture firm downtown. We were trying to figure out how to message doctors. Effectively, and it's funny you bring this up because she said to me, well, Andrew, why don't doctors message patients and message others in a more proactive way like polyps cause cancer? You could die of cancer. Why is the messaging not perfected doctor to doctor or doctor to patient? I said, I don't know. Maybe it's because doctors just have a very, very challenging day. They, they have a marathon of a day every day, and maybe that's maybe that makes it challenging, but Perhaps there's room for improvement in doctors to communicate better with each other that polyps are scary and polyps become cancer. And, and all I can say is perhaps doctors should, some, some of the doctors engaged should champion the messaging. And, and we can certainly do that. Um, because I don't think doctors in, in a more rural area necessarily believe or understand that colon cancer happens in a 21-year-old. I obviously could believe it because I've seen it. But um, I think maybe just by sharing the message. Uh, as loud as possible, which gets to my point that survivors need to need to engage. Not the ones we see on on the various organization websites who give amazing uh, testimonials, and they're so powerful and so just frankly empowering. But um, but maybe survivors need to speak up more about their experiences with their doctors um, as well. But 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 I will do my part as well, and I think doctors around me certainly try. So we'll just continue to try to. So I, I think home. we've come up with uh, three things here. Uh, what we just talked about is uh, the message about getting our friends who are approaching or at the age of 40 to start asking, when should I be scheduling a colonoscopy? And then how do we get the message out there to young people that going to be sort of coordinated Plan around how it can improve maybe physical work. Maybe we just came up with uh, the item to do list. Get it done tomorrow. Well, I I, uh, I I think I, I think it's a great list. I I I am so grateful to you for for engaging in this kinds of conversation because frankly doctors just practice and then go about their day and go home and they, it's like 
uh, it's a terrible reference, but maybe, uh, I don't know if you know it, but look, kids, Big Ben Parliament, and we go around the circle, like Chevy Chase, we go around the circle every day, and and your show gives gives us a voice and allows us to 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 share our impressions and our feelings. But yes, I think I, I would love to hear from people about idea regarding ideas or ways to get in front of younger people to even have them say the word colonoscopy better than my five year old. And uh that would be a true win, I think, for, for the future of colon cancer. Um so I love your list and I, I appreciate uh, me, I appreciate uh, you helping to make it. Lee at colonpodcast.com and Andrew, how can people reach you? Uh, they can reach me at uh, andrew.albert at advocatehealth.com uh, A-D-V-O-C-A-T-E health.com or they can just go on Twitter and do at Dr. Andrew Albert Twitter as well and uh, I would love to hear from them P-O-D, and uh, you can find me there as well Dr. Albert thank you so much uh, thank you for, for one, you know for being a voice and for being as, as passionate about this as you are. Uh, I know I speak for the entire colorectal cancer community. We greatly appreciate all that you have done, are doing, and will continue to do. Thank you, Lee. Thank you, Lee. Well, I uh, look forward to doing more and continuing this conversation. You, you as well, my friend.